Hey everybody, Chet here. Welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. I'm your host, Chet Czar. So, if I sound a little off the next few episodes, it's because I'm in the midst of insane painting schedule madness for a show I have coming up. So things are a little bit scattered. I mean, I'm always scattered, even when things are great. But this is when things are, are uh, busy, it gets even worse. So things are crazy right now. Oh, my God. I've just been pulling these long uh, painting sessions. But I have a, a, a great theme for the show I'm working on. And uh, if you want to see it all happen, I've been posting time lapses just about every day and progress updates of the new new work it's at my patreon which is patreon.com slash chetzar and you can see the updates for as little as a dollar a month if you want to see the time lapses it's three bucks a month super easy to pause your membership or cancel it's really easy and you know you could spend six bucks and get two months worth of time lapses and there's a lot of time lapses on there so i'm really pushing I'm going to start promoting and pushing hard for people to get on there if, if you can, because it's it's uh, having a steady income every month is really huge, and it's kind of changing my life. So I'm going to keep trying to funnel people towards that and keep my content really good on there. Anyway, that's what you can do if you if you want to support me. I really appreciate it. Same goes for the Dark Art Society. Like I say, every time I wouldn't be able to do this podcast if I didn't have the support, I wouldn't be able to afford to do it. So that's uh, patreon.com slash dark art society. And you could join for a buck and just for a buck, you can get in the dark art society cooperative page on Facebook, which is a private group. Everyone's sharing art, chatting, talking about dark art, debating ideas about dark art. It's really pretty amazing. Right now, we are actually starting to build the website in a, in a way that's much bigger than I originally expected. We're trying to build a, a website where there's going to be kind of a community, uh, almost like, not message boards, but I forget that. It's, it's, it's all over my head, but I've got uh, Jeff Bradford and Josh G from The Creep Machine is thankfully agreed to help out and Josh Clark from the dark art society cooperatives helping out. So everyone's pitching in and we're going to try and make this really badass website for dark art society, the dark art society and Patreon members and it should be pretty amazing and epic. And that's the other thing when you join the Patreon and you get in the cooperative on Facebook, you can, give input to what you want to see on the website and, and things like that. I mean, we're all talking in there. So anyway, okay. So yeah, things are crazy right now. Oh, you should see my studio. It's such a mess. It's insane. I don't even know how I could function in that, but I just have no time. I have about, I have to ship everything out at the end of June because it's in Australia and they need time to, clear customs and on top of that i think it's june 25th and on top of that i have to have everything photographed and i have to pack everything up so that's a week 
right there at least to get all that stuff done. And so that's, you know, leaves me at five, I don't know, six weeks or less than six weeks. Not to mention I'm <clears throat> going to make frames again, oval frames cast from either my villain show or my, what was that other show I did where I had the oval frame? It's a, the same design with small modifications, but I'm going to use that mold, cast new frames, and then I'm going to paint the frames like they're rusting, which should be really cool looking. But then again, that's another week there. So what do I have a month to finish this show? I've got three paintings pretty much done. I'm going to do about 13. So I'm going crazy here. It's madness. But enough about my madness. How you all doing out there? Let's get on to the, oh, let's get on to the new subscribers to the Patreon. There's only a couple. Okay. I think, I, I think we stopped at Fox Lunetta last week, but I'm going to say it again. I'm going to start at Jeremy shot because Jeremy shot donated pretty big and, and he's got a great gallery called the Dark Art Emporium. So Jeremy, I'm going to mention you again. We'll start from there. Thank you for supporting. Next is Fox Lunetta, which I think I may have mentioned last time. Thank you again. We also have Tranifer Lovely. Thank you for joining. And Aaron Estes. Much appre appreciated, Aaron. That's a nice... Uh, Big Terry you subscribe to, so that's much appreciated. Everybody that subscribes and donates, you're making it happen, and I really appreciate that. Couldn't happen without you. I say it all the time because it's true. All right, now let's get on to the five questions, and then we'll get on to the interview, which is the return of Erwin Chofin. I've known this guy for... 15 years now. I still don't know how to pronounce his last name, but I mean, we're pals. But I know him back from when I went to, when I was working with the gallery called, uh, what the hell was the name of that gallery? Uh, Strict Nine Gallery. They had a gallery in Berlin and I had a show there. I went to Berlin, which was pretty amazing. And then I had a show in London with them when they had a gallery there. And that was amazing. And... I saw a knife fight out there out in front of the gallery. And we had some weird ghost experiences happen in the gallery. That was a trippy experience. But anyway, they're not, they're defunct now. But I met Erwin through that and we've remained friends. He's a collector and he's got this really amazing new business he's promoting. He's making these this bone jewelry it's amazing stuff bone rings which is so cool human bone rings <laughs> so i was so impressed with when he showed me a sample that i was like you should come back on the show and promote that because it's really amazing i think it's his his big idea anyway we'll get on to that in a second let's get on with the five questions I've been so busy, I haven't even had a chance to solicit five more questions from y'all. So I'm going to go back and answer some that I never answered from way back when. First things first, last week, 
Andrew Hawkins asked who my f- top five horror directors were, horror movie directors. And, and I only, I'm, I was in such a scattered rush recording that, that I only mentioned George Romero and John Carpenter, which I would say are probably my two favorites. It's, it's, a, it's a tough one. It's a tough choice. I don't know if I could pick one. I mean, I would probably say John Carpenter is a better director overall because he's made more great films than George Romero. But the movies that George Romero made that I love were hugely influential to me, which is the original Night of the Living Dead and the original Dawn of the Dead. And Creepshow was great. Dark Half was great. But he also made a lot that he made some that weren't very good. John Carpenter made a few that weren't very good either. But for the most part, he made some great one so anyway i'm gonna get on to the rest now i have to third would be uh david cronenberg cronenberg is amazing i I love his movies i love um uh the hell's the name of that movie the dead zone incredible the fly's great uh naked lunch is amazing History of Violence is great, even though it's not a horror movie. I love that. That's such a great movie. Anyway, David Cronenberg. I would put him third. And when it comes to the last two on my list here, they're not really horror directors, but they have made kind of horror movies. They've made at least one full-on horror movie. But I'm going to add them because I just love them as directors. And that's William Friedkin, who directed The Exorcist. And, but, you know, he's done a, a lot of other uh, great films as well, like Live and Die in L.A. And, um, God, what else has he done? Sorcerer is amazing, which sounds like a horror movie, but it's not. Anyway, uh, so the, the final one I'm going to mention is Alfred Hitchcock, of course. And he's like a suspense mystery director, but he did do Psycho, so that kind of does put him in the horror realm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with those five. Anyway, thank you, Andrew, for that question. Okay, so that's one question down. Uh, let's see here. Now I have to. Oh, okay, Caleb Osgood deal. Have you listened to Cop Shoot Cop yet? Yes, I have. I haven't listened to a lot, but I listened to a little sample of it, and I definitely, absolutely loved it. So I'm going to listen more. All right, I'm going to answer some of Craig Robert Leach's here. He asked one, two, three, four, five questions in one post, so I should answer at least a couple of those. Uh, have you ever? Has art ever brought you? Harm or great discomfort in life. For example, strained relationships, mental health issues, financial ruin. I would say the worst thing it's done for me, generally, I would say it's 95% positive. I really feel like since I've become a fine artist and started doing my own things, I've definitely become more myself. Like I've more fully realized as a as a being you know more true to myself i know myself better now so i can't complain about 
any, uh, you know, peripheral damage that's happened. Collateral damage, I guess you could say, because it's been so positive. But, you know, probably health, physical health, it's affected. Just, you know, the, the, the hours of sitting in the studio and painting, I definitely gained weight and I'm less healthy than I am physically than I have been in the past. But that's also because I'm like 51 and not exercising as much, much as I should be. But, you know, I still try and walk every day. And so, yeah, in that sense, maybe. But, you know, there's a lot of other factors as well. Another question he asks, let me see, that's one, two, three. He asks, let me pick a good one. I don't know if I answered this one, but I was thinking about it the other day. And I have a better answer if I did answer it. Maybe I did. Shit, I don't remember. Can you describe your routine for getting in the zone creatively and how everyday occurrences help or hinder that process for you? I get in the zone. I was thinking about this yesterday. I've gotten in kind of a, a habit that is both good and bad, but I have to have something on the TV. I have to have, you know, the best thing is like a series that I'm familiar with. Like I just went through all the Larry Sanders show on HBO now. because that's an amazing show or some, for a while I did the office all the way through uh, because I, it just helps me to have something on the TV that I can kind of listen to that I'm familiar with that I don't have to really pay that much attention to, to take my mind off what I'm doing. It's really weird. It's like, I, it helps me to have that. It helps me to concentrate and also let go and not think too hard about what I'm doing. Cause part of my brain is being occupied by listening to a story that's why I also like documentaries. I may have, I probably did mention this already, but I really was thinking the other day, I really feel weird if I don't have a movie on while I'm painting. So that's the, that's the major thing that gets me in the zone really creatively is to have, that's the first thing I do. Like I'll spend 15 minutes finding something good to watch that, that suits me, which is either a documentary, like I said, or something I've seen before that I don't have to really pay that much attention to, but that I really enjoy. Okay. Last one. Let me pick one. Mm, mm, man. Okay. Tanya Pomalis. Uh, what artists from the past would you like to talk to if you could living or dead? It doesn't matter. That would be, there are, are three that come come to mind, which those would be Frazetta, Bekczynski, or Bekczynski, however you pronounce it, or Giger. And of the three, I think I would rather talk to either Giger or Bekczynski. And let me think about this. Yeah, it's hard to choose between Giger and Bekczynski. Maybe Giger because I know he tripped. So that's like kind of kind of something that we have in common. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. I the thing I really would like to ask these guys 
that I've always wondered is, especially Bekshinsky, because he's from Poland and, and, and I don't know that, I guess the same is true for Giger. But it seems like someone from his era in Poland is not really influenced by horror horror movies and horror things like like we are in America or even in you know the UK or it seems like you know they were doing stuff in the seventies and eighties so. I can't imagine that the thing, the same things that influence influence us as younger people to create dark art is probably not the same thing that influenced those guys. So that's one thing I always wanted to ask them. So I'd have to say Igor Bekshinsky. I can't pick. All right. So that's that. Um, Uh-oh. This better be recording. Oh, okay. Thank God. I thought it was, I thought I accidentally stopped recording. Okay. So let's get on with it. Episode 114, my interview with Erwin, Erwin Chofin and his company, which is Asua Eta Croamata. Oh. As, Aswa et Acro Amata. Okay, here we go. All right, thanks everybody. Enjoy. Hello, Erwin, or should I say Evan? Ah, do that uh, again. I want to get a picture of that. Don't don't move. I'm getting a screen grab. Perfect. <laughs> I'm a cramp now. <laughs> Evan, that's the right way to pronounce your name, right? Yeah, pretty much. Say it. Evan. 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 Every time I say it that way, I feel like I'm doing like a bad impression of a an Austrian accent. But that's the way you say it. I'm just not used yeah. to saying it. it. I mean, even in, in German, it, it varies depend, <clears throat> depending on where you are. Oh, really? So it's, yeah. Yeah. So, some Dialects. roll the R, like R. You oh know, really, like, Erwin? Uh, yeah. So, it, well, that, that's the interesting thing about language, right? It, it, there, there is no, there is no English per se. I mean, right. there's the Oxford English, but nobody really talks that. Like right. Everywhere you go, it's slightly different. That's true. And then, and German is even worse. Like there, there's so many. Like we have some valleys. They are basically maybe thirty kilometers apart. Uh, but you have to drive a hundred kilometers to get one from one point to the other because you have to exit the valley and then get back in. If you put two farmers, like seventy, eighty-year-old farmers, in a pub from both of those valleys, there's a chance they can't talk to each other because oh, really? the local dia- local dialect is so extreme. Wow! Like, that's, like that's trippy. It, 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 yeah, it's the, the, like the, his, the history that some of those valleys were more or less disconnected from the world. Like during winter, you couldn't go there, and so over time they would develop their own vocabulary, language, grammar. I mean, it's still German technically, yeah. but yeah, and it's more extreme if you go to Switzerland. And there's they have this, uh, I think, Reto-Romanian influence that's 
something completely different. So is like it? Zurich, it ha I, I can't talk to somebody in Zurich, even though we are both speaking German and yeah. they probably understand me, but I probably don't and won't understand them. Isn't, don't they speak predominantly German and French in Switzerland? Uh, three, yeah, three languages. It's oh. Italy in the, Italian in the South, oh, uh, German in the East, and French in the West. So, uh, like, around Geneva, it's French. And then if you go south, southeast, it's Italian. And in the north and in the, the east, it's German. Weird. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it must be weird. I mean, it's to me the idea of I don't know living in Europe to where you can just go to all these different countries, just like drive to different countries, is such a trippy idea to me. You know, because we can't we we've got Canada and Mexico, and those are both you know pretty much the same. Yeah, <laughs> not really. <laughs> right. No, but uh, yeah. that's that's it's interesting. You know, I wanted to ask you because you. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, Erwin's a, a big dark art collector, and he was one of my first collectors, really, I think. And um, you've been collecting a long time. And one thing I wanted to ask you about, someone, who was it that was telling me this? That dark art is not nearly as big in Europe as it is in the States. And I think right. that's really weird. That's so, I would think the opposite would be true. I think it's so strange and I, and I can't figure out why, why that is. Do you it's know? hard to, it's hard to say why yeah, it's definitely a fact that, uh, all the galleries I know with one exception in Vienna that tried to implement, uh, the American, like lowbrow, dark art, any of those, uh, contemporary subculture underground art movements to europe failed like drastically yeah so weird uh i mean it the, the galleries that that uh, succeeded were all galleries working before 2008 mm -hmm. before the big financial crash i think that had a big impact on europe uh especially the, the middle class right which had a certain you know a certain amount of money a year to collect art and those people got less and less after 2008 right and if the people had still had money they were looking out more carefully because 2008 showed that money just evaporates basically yeah yeah that, that was a new a new idea since I i'd say since since the 80s mm. like something like this ha hasn't happened mm -hmm. so if you have a young middle class person in his lifetime that had never had never happened before that's just basically all your investments right evaporate in a, in a crash and so those people i think they stopped buying art altogether yeah and if they're not and, buying art they're not, definitely not going to be buying dark art <laughs> well you know that uh, the the middle class doesn't have the money for a van gogh or for for a picasso so they they would always go for underground art or mm. you know new upcoming movements which back then dark art was and uh, uh there were there were buyers for for quite a few i mean you sold stuff in berlin i think or right. you, yeah. you, you sold paintings in in london That's so true. that there were there were collectors uh, interested in that art scene and i don't think well, many of them other than you bought again though 
Not that I know of, yeah. you know, it, it seems like you're the only one that kind of stuck with it and kept doing it. A lot of the, right. a lot of those people that bought f- from those shows, I think that's the only time they bought at least my work, you know, but some of the, I know some of the art, some of your artwork popped up uh, a few years later on, on eBay, I think. Oh, that's I, right. Yeah. I, I think I bought one of those, uh, that's right. Uh, paintings back, I think. Yes. From the from the ugly American show, right? The profit. Yeah, exactly. And and I sold it back to an American. So yeah, it's just weird that uh, I don't know. It just seems like with the the history in, in Europe that dark art would be uh, popular there, but it's you know, well, you think it would be the opposite. It seems like America would be not into it, and Europe would be into it, but it's th- totally the opposite. Yeah, but. Uh, I mean, if I haven't been to an art fair in Europe for quite a while now, but uh, I remember that it's predominantly abstract, right? For whatever reason, uh, so weird. <laughs> the, I mean, that you know, you have the occasional, like, where you could say it's dark art, like the one or two artists affair, right? But th- they always notch a little bit towards the abstract. Mm-hmm. So you know, they, they try to 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 get away with it <laughs> and uh, convince people they're doing something else while they, you know, it's like a magic trick, right? Uh, doing one thing and selling the other. But yeah, I don't know. It's it. I, I always thought about it. It would be nice to maybe you know get get the other collectors together, um, like Chris Chip, and just make a. a, a big exhibition and and just move move it around a little bit like i think we if we put together maybe 150 paintings that are really represent like like uh, del toro's show right. yeah yeah in La- the lacma uh you know doing the, something like this but in in a in a in a in a blue chip gallery in paris or or you know basically say well it, it 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 might be an underground movement but it's still selling high quality art and you know mm-hmm. it is it is based on the tradition of of classic painting it's not just you know like like some people would say about your art it's it's not just monsters it's it's monsters that are painted in the classic tradition right yeah. and uh, and if uh, i mean i'm a big fan of seeing art uh life i always say go to museums look at the old masters definitely uh, look at the details take the time don't rush rush through and try to see 200 paintings in one day just go into one room that has you know like the artists you really like or the one artist you really like and just inhale maybe five paintings for two hours and then leave i mean it you know yeah yeah uh it it, it, it you you take away so much more if you take the time and, and and look at the originals and you know really really see them instead of just running through all the rooms that's that's for example why i like to go to gettys in la because it it is a small venue and every episode every every um well every um exhibit um yeah every exhibit it, it's kind of small so you have your you know like 10 paintings from that right uh, ep, 
from the, that era era and uh so that's really nice because you, you can really go just into one or two rooms and it's free it, you know right. you can go there when I, you know, all you have to do is i think parking is you have to pay for parking but you, you can really go there and just focus on like maybe two or three paintings and uh yeah uh, th- uh, that's what i keep telling people you know forget online forget forget prints you know take the time go to museums and and look at the the really old masters and because it's if you if you're in front of a painting even if if you know how to paint and you ha- just have no clue how they did it that that's basically where you should start right and that, that because sometimes it's really hard to to figure out what they did to get that kind of effect or get that kind of color or right you know yeah. the, the, the glazing the the, the layers the, yeah. the the translucent colors all that you know they're, they're like a, a hundred magic tricks that you can make a painting and those guys knew them all right yeah yeah and, that's what i always say they've they've done it as good as it can possibly be done so yeah all we all we all we can do as artists is is do it as best we can we're not going to do better than them we're only going to be able to do it differently in our own voice that's the only thing really yeah. we have to over 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 them in any and, way and that uh, and we have to come back to the abstract thing i i get it where it came from like uh the um after the world wars and in between the world wars artists said well basically to this moment we thought humanity is 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 headed to beauty and development and everything and the world was showed that we're we're so much worse we are we are capable of so much destruction and cruelty and violence mm-hmm. and so artists sort of new ways of of showing that so i i get the abstract thing i get it where it comes from and i i get what it does but i think the time is over we should you know it it has its its time and its place in history, right? But yeah. I think that time's over. I agree. And uh, and I mean, we I think we talked about that last time. If 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 the art world is so desperate that they have to go to to art movements like street art to freshen the gain the gene pool, so to speak, uh, well, it's it's really time for something new, right? And, uh, I think to to the, the combination you guys are doing, uh, the taking the traditional way of painting and do something new with it. That that's what I really always enjoyed about the whole the whole movement. You know, the the dark art family and everybody who's mm-hmm. involved. Maybe a little bit of the lowbrow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's all kind of related. They're all yeah, you know, yeah. related. It's sometimes really hard to draw draw lines there, but yeah. you know all that that contemporary art scene. Um, well, if, if we say galleries, then Copro is definitely ground zero. Yeah, yeah. For, for that movement for maybe a decade or more. Right. Um, yeah, and that that what I that's what I really enjoyed about that art scene that. You know, people like you, uh, Christopher Ulrich and um, mm. David Stupakis, they they would take they would take those classic traditional techniques and just create something completely new. Yeah, absolutely. You know, th- th- this uh, now that I'm thinking about it, 
I had a show in uh, Paris at a gallery called Space Junk. Have you ever heard of them? Space, Don't think so. Space Junk Gallery, and it was me and Chris Mars. Right. So that's that. That was kind of cool. I mean, I don't know how big the gallery is, but um, so th- that that's that's a little a little something. That was that's pretty much a dark art oh. show. Um, when was that? Uh, I have no memory of it of the date. Probably twenty. I want to say twenty eleven or something. Okay. 2012 i don't know could, hmm. could be 2013 could be but <laughs> I, no I, I said there were, there, there were always uh, attempts to to bring i i remember there was a show in london i forgot the gallery where uh, like luke chu was in it you were in it i think both david like stupakis and talk were where, in it where was it i forgot the gallery uh, okay. but they um i think it was a cooperation with um <clears throat> Uh, uh, no, I forgot the gallery in LA as well. Um, yeah, I f- forgot the name. But there was a, a gallery in LA, and they had a, like a, a a small partnership with mm. a uh, London gallery. Oh, and right. They, Maybe Think Space or Corey Helford or something. Corey Helford, yeah, yeah Corey yeah. Helford. And um, but that was a one-time thing, and. I never heard anything about it. Like there were like flyers and then posters and then it was gone. Well, so yeah, you know, that, that might be an indication of, you could say, Oh, that's an indication that dark art doesn't do well in Europe. But what makes me think that may not be the case is that, uh, uh the Guillermo show, the at home with monsters, the Guillermo del Toro show of his yeah. collection, that show sold out, in LA, I mean, at uh, LACMA, it was yeah. hu- hugely successful, and they made a bunch of money on it. And yeah. I remember um, Greg, because Greg Escalante helped set that up, actually from Copper, right. and yeah. and he was he was saying that I was saying I, I I was talking to him like, oh, this this is like a opening a door for us to get into yeah. ma- major museums and stuff, and he was saying. Even though, because I said just because it did so well, and it's obviously what the public wants, and he was kind of saying even, even though it did really well, it doesn't matter. It's all up to these kind of academics that run the museum, and they don't—they're not concerned with what the public wants. Right? You know, they have their own agenda, or not—not not even an agenda, but they have their own their own set of values that they think are important. Right. And um, I, I understand on one hand, you know, the art establishment perhaps doesn't isn't there to cater to the public and they want to you know expose them to new things but on the other hand it just seems so stupid to pass up if if everybody is coming to see something it seems stupid to not see where that goes you know i I mean from from the art perspective speaking we're all very young right yeah i mean even even people People, well, Sheila didn't get as old as we are, but uh, Klimt and you know, like all the other greats, they were uh, they they tried something new. They were laughed at, basically half, uh, almost all through their lives. Right. I mean, 
we live in an era where uh, things are more accelerated. Yeah. So it, it might happen faster. Certain changes are, you know, it's just so much quicker now with, with the internet and breakthroughs happen so fast right. for, for all different kinds, like all kinds of reasons. So, um, I'm, I'm still very positive about the whole thing. I mean, we're still here. Mm-hmm. We're, we're still successful in, 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 in the things we're doing. Oh yeah. And, we're, um, we're able to make a living. Some of us, you know, doing this kind of artwork. So that's kind of says a lot without any help from museums or the establishment. Kind exactly. Of, kind I mean, of amazing really. Um, and, uh, so, so that, that's, that's an indication that something goes right. our way to, so to speak. Yeah. For and, sure. uh, I mean, people like um, Del Toro and a few a few others that that collect that kind of uh, art. Um, they are promoting it, and um, additionally, I think everybody involved gets his quality sorted out. So you know, there's a, the the personal development of every artist involved as well. Mm-hmm. The ones who can't keep up or won't keep up, they they fall they fall away. Right. But that's that's how it always is yeah, with movements. Yeah. yeah, that's true. So, so so in the end, it it's a selection process of the ones who are really determined and the ones who really want to do it and get better at it. Right, it's like Darwinism in the in the art world in a way. <laughs> right, but you know, it, survival it, of the fittest. Yeah, and and uh, so. It's not necessarily a bad thing that it didn't happen overnight right yeah, away. No, you know, it's it's a good thing it didn't happen overnight right away because yeah. look look what happened with street art. Because I, I remember yeah. when that happened, it was like everybody was like, yeah. oh, shit, street art is the big thing. And people were changing their styles and thinking about, you know, doing changing street galleries. Yeah, <laughs> thinking about doing street art and and all these people that had been doing it all of a sudden were hugely famous and successful. And, you know, the, the, those people are still probably doing okay, but it's not what it was. It's like, it just went away as fast as it came. It kind of went away. Yeah. You know? I mean, but like, like with any other movement, uh, I mean, who, who, who got, who really got the money? It was like five people. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Banks, he got, more rich than he already was. Uh, you have Shepard Ferry, who basically pulled the stunt with the Obama portrait. Right. Uh, Space Invader, maybe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm already, you know, the 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 what's his name? Brainwash, Mister Brain. No, oh, Mister Brain. Yeah, Mister Brainwash. Well, you know, he, <laughs> yeah, whatever he is, but you know, you have those. A handful of people who, who probably make make five figure sales on on single paintings, right? And you have two guys who make five figure on, or six figure uh, prices on one right. on one artwork, but the rest is just you know uh, there, there are plenty of street artists who who can sell a painting for a hundred bucks. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, even though it, it's celebrated. Uh, you know, it, I, I'm not really sure about all those hype movements. Who who really makes the money? It, yeah, yeah, for sure. Probably not the artists. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so 
I think it's a, a healthier way for a movement to grow. It's slow and steady for sure. There's exactly. no question about it. That's... And um, I mean, we, we've seen we've seen like when did we start doing this? Uh, 2005, 2006, when we that's, started working together. Yeah, yeah, that's when I started getting so, serious about the the oil painting and yeah. stuff. And yeah, so twelve, twelve years, something. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've we've seen a lot of artists drop out, change styles, yep. losing interest, and it's probably not for the worst of the movement. Right. It it probably contributed, and uh, yeah, like you said, it's it it's an it's an evolution of the of the artists, right. the survival of the survival of the fittest. So. Uh, should the breakthrough happen for this art movement, it's going to be f- for the ones who really deserve it. And, yeah, right. Good point. And, and like I said, if there's a breakthrough, it's good that the artists that are representing the movement are high quality artists that right. you actually can show in, in museums in the yeah, future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and what what i also see uh, from from the development like socially you have um i think we talked about it a few weeks ago when i was in la the 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 um the people who who become famous like cat von d um the shops and and the 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 products that get sold like uh killstar is it killstarco i forget the I don't know. There's this, this, yes, like a witchy. It's one oh, of the biggest right. oh, shops. Oh yeah, like, yeah, right, right. Or black, black I mean, craft. Yeah, yeah, all black pentagrams, what have you. Yeah, uh, those were shops that would have never survived, maybe 15 years ago. I mean, maybe a small shop in Camden Town in London and somewhere in New York right. in Soho selling yeah, to tourists. Yeah, yeah, it's it's inter- but, it's but, it's weird. <laughs> but but now this this whole Wicca movement, the the the, the witchy stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's all out there. You you can, especially on Instagram uh, and all the other platforms, you, you get tons of different products, right. uh, very sophisticated handmade stuff. And uh, that wouldn't have been possible 10 years ago, no. 15 years ago. So no way. there is the, I think the general movement is away from, from the traditional, like you said, the, the people who dictate what's supposed to happen right uh the internet gave a lot of freedom to people the ones who really want to use it you know i mean you can look at kitty kitty pictures and you know right (laughs) uh yeah i was thinking about that how in the you know just watching my dad as an artist in the 70s and 80s if you wanted to promote yourself you had to go to a gallery and then they had to like take an ad out in a magazine in an art magazine yeah. and and the idea that you could as an artist yourself take like 10,000 bucks or 5,000 bucks or whatever it would cost to put an ad in a in a legitimate art magazine is you know ridiculous nobody was doing that there was no way there's just it's so weird to think there about a time when there was just no way to really get get eyes on your work in the way that there is today Right. You know, it's huge, yeah. huge. It's such a huge, huge, big, incredible change. And we're paying for it, you know, with all the, you know, Russia meddling with the election and, and all the trolls out there and all the people 
fighting online over politics and stuff. It's like, that's kind of the price we're paying for, for this new technology. But man, for artists, it's just, it's so huge. And Patreon and stuff, all this stuff is just making it possible for artists to make a living in a, in a whole new way and still be creating their artwork. So it's, it's really exciting in that way. Well, it, it, it has an upside and a downside. I think that the downside I see is that, um, <clears throat> it's, it's a very fast ADHD culture. Yeah, true. Uh, like you talk to, uh, was it Josh? Yeah. Josh G from yeah. Creep Machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You talked about it. Like the, the, uh, the speed in which people consume it. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it's it's not possible to make uh, an, a well-founded statement about an art piece by clicking through Instagram and saying, yeah, that's nice. Right, right. I mean, you still like it, and the artist goes like, yay. But <laughs> I got a new follower. I got a new yeah, like. <laughs> yeah. But it... It's it. There is nothing behind it. It's just you know. Yeah. It's just clicks. Yeah, it's yeah. clicks that, that don't mean anything. Right. And um, so that I think that's the downside. And um, the definitely. I think that the trap is that the artist might consider to change the artwork to get more likes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the the, the uh, authenticity of the of the of the, the artist might suffer. Yeah, that's. That's true, but that can be said about selling work in galleries back in the day as well. You know, just to make sales, you've got a gallery director telling you to make, you know. I, I see what yeah, you're saying, true. though, because it's like instantaneous feedback. Yeah. So there's not even maybe necessarily time to develop. Well, if the, as the, an the thing is, if I mean, there's this meme going, uh, you know, all my followers say, do more prints then you do prints and then nobody's nobody, nobody buys, buys them, them. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's the problem with the feedback so if if you if you have a certain feedback on a certain painting and you go like okay i have to do more paintings like this right it doesn't necessarily say you're going to sell anything right you, so you change your ways you change your style and change your 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 motivation towards somebody who's not interested in the first place. Right. I mean, right. if the, if the, if the gallery tells you, you know, we have those five collectors and they really like blue. Right. And so if you keep, That's do true. what you do, but keep it blue, we right. can sell at least 10 paintings. Then <laughs> you change your way slightly and you make some money with the internet. You, you might change away from what you actually do, what and you're actually good at and not make for shit. <laughs> Exactly. And then you lost your way and you didn't make money. Right. So <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. That's so, <laughs> and like Josh said, sometimes the change goes so quickly, like from what people like and then what people don't like, because you know, the masses, right? Yeah, They're fickle. Uh, but yeah. I, I'll, you know, I, the way I see it is it's like the way I approach it is that I'm trying to gather as many followers as possible. You know, because not so I can brag or anything, but because out of that's it's it's like you're casting this huge net over tons of people in order to funnel through the really hardcore people that are going to stick with you and buy your right. work and support you. And it's and it's for the you know, you're doing the, the casting the wide net just so you're able to get more of those really very few hardcore high quality fans that. That, that sustain you 
And that, you know, right. you're really creating the work for them because they love your work enough to support it or be active on your threads or promote it themselves or however they choose to do it. So it's really, it's about the, the hardcore people. That's why, you know, on my Patreon, I'm, I'm kind of saving everything that I'm working on currently for the Patreon people. Cause anybody that's willing to pay just a dollar a month, I feel like, you know, you deserve something special, even though it's, it's, right. it's hardly anything, but just that gesture that I'm willing to pay for something I've been getting for free for the last five years from you. Yeah. But I love, I love your work so much and I appreciate you. I want to support you. So I'm going to give you a dollar a month. And so therefore I try and make the really exclusive content for that that crowd because they're the people that are telling me I'm serious and I'm, and I want to support you and they're not just clicking a like button because right. I guess uh, likes are cheap. Yeah. <laughs> the, I mean, if people would have to pay for likes, it would probably yeah. look different. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> like, Ooh, I, I only have 10 likes a day. So yeah, why do right. I them? <laughs> that's, that's an interesting idea. What if you had to go on a social media site and then you had but, to pay for your likes every month and then you could distribute them the way they, that's an interesting idea. I bet you someone's going to do something like that eventually. Well, um, I think Bill Gates said that like maybe 10 years ago, eight years ago, that uh, there should be something like stamps for emails. And oh, that would yeah, take, yeah. What that, a great idea. But that would take care of the spamming. Absolutely. If, even if it was just two cents an email. Right. And then nobody would think about sending, you know, like... 10,000 emails. Mother, mother's, yeah, but Mother's Day email or, you know, friend's email or ordering something, that would be no problem. But as soon as somebody starts spamming, right. he couldn't afford it. So Interesting. Yeah, yeah that is a good idea. But never, never went through. So Yeah, people are, not- people are too accustomed to not paying for anything. You know, this technology happened too fast. So it wasn't really thought out very well all of this internet technology you know with piracy no, and all kinds it, of, it just happened so fast that it it no it wasn't it wasn't even meant for the public in the first place yeah 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 crazy so I mean, interesting I, I, I remember when I, uh, I i had my first office in 91 i think and mm-hmm. we were the like it was a small city and I think we were the first or the second office in that city to apply for internet access. Wow. Like, you know, brought back, not the, like the 32.2 oh, modem. It, it wasn't the dial up. <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh wow. And, uh, you, in 91. That's amazing. And, uh, and one night we were just looking through the stuff and there was Nike.com for sale. I could have, I could have bought Nike.com <laughs> for like nine ninety nine a year. <laughs> Oh you my know, God! Yeah, like, and we were laughing, like, "Oh, you know, you know, that would be a nice idea." I mean, like, that could have been a, you know, like a million bucks right there. Or, hindsight, were like, hindsight is twenty twenty. Let me tell you, there's a lot of that sort of thing. Yeah, but you know that nobody thought about that back then. Nobody thought about websites. Websites were like for for geeks and right. uh, you know, I mean, there weren't even back then. It it, it took like. A minute to load a JPEG. That was right. I remember those days. <laughs> you you only you literally only could send text. That's why the the chat rooms were so big. Right, right. That's what all all we were doing. I mean, you know, like communicating with people. That was new. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. But nobody thought about uploading 
pictures or even high resolution stuff and let alone videos or you know yeah right we 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 started doing like flash websites yeah i remember flash websites were the big thing we were calculating like, oh my God, this, this flash intro has 2.5 megabytes. It takes 10 minutes to load. <laughs> Who's going to wait 10 minutes for a website? <laughs> I mean, 2.5 megabytes that takes like a yeah, right? ten, tenth of a second now. And <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, crazy. It's amazing. But it's, it's, it's interesting to see what, what happens in, well, a lifetime is almost saying too much it's like half a lifetime it's it's so crazy how i know how much faster everything is now have you you've seen um you've heard you know you know about that whole the singularity idea the i know i know you do um what's that guy's name the guy Uh, kurtzwell yeah kurtzwell he he, he's that's a great documentary if you haven't yeah yeah, you've seen that it's really good i forgot what it's called but oh it's called the singularity actually and he just talks about a time when technology will move so fast that everything will be happening at once. And it's, yeah. and it's, you know, it sounds impossible and ridiculous, but it's, you know, it, it's, it's at the point it's, it's going to get to a point where, where it's like that somehow, somehow I, I can't imagine it, but imagine, you know, a cure for cancer, you know, happens one day. Or a cure for a certain type well, of cancer, and then the a week answer. later you've got another one that they cure, right. and it's like it's going to keep just going faster. It's it's the future is is uh, well chaos. It's I always it yeah speed and I chaos. Mean, uh, uh, McKenna had this theory of the 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 point where I think everything stops or something like oh. because it's too it's too fast, like right. it's too. too it's accelerating towards the point of no, no movement or right, something. Right. But um, my, my grandfather used to have those magazines. They were called hobby. Uh, they were like, like the, like technological, like popular mechanics magazine. or something type. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Something like this. They talk about the future so, inventions that are coming and, so, and stuff. And I discovered them like in the mid eighties, maybe yeah, mid eighties, something mm-hmm. like this. Uh, and I, I went through them and it was so funny because the, they had the first, um, um, hypersonic airplanes back then. And so based on the calculation of the last 10 years, or how fast planes were going, they estimated that in, in the year 1990, the planes would go Mach 25. Oh, wow. <laughs> Because that was the logic, right? The right. logic reasoning behind the development they saw in their time, right? And uh, and it's just not happening. Yeah, so, right. Right. Um, it's always difficult to predict when you when you live in a certain era where uh, in in one specific uh, section the development is so accelerated. That just to assume that it's gonna go like this. I mean, yeah, true. Because some some areas, it's it. That's the thing. It's like everyone kind of assumes, like using this sort of singularity theory, that everything's just gonna speed up at the same rate. Yeah. And it's like, no, yeah. no, no. Some technologies are gonna are gonna do that, and then some are kind of probably gonna stay the same. And it's because right. they've already kind of reached their peak, some are gonna move like half the, half as fast. And well, I've, I've, I always 
found it interesting to 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 seek out certain moments in time or in history where um, humanity seems to step back and like uh, for me Titanic was a moment like this where the biggest and best and unsinkable ship just went down right and we had a similar moment in the 90s where Concorde crashed mm -hmm. and for the for the first time in 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 the the history of flying a fast plane wasn't replaced by a faster one right it was just canceled right um so these are usually indicators that something's slowing down I mean, we now have, you know, like SpaceX trying to get, uh, you know, the, the parable flight where you go into space basically and go right. from Paris to New York in three, in three hours, mm -hmm. uh, by just surpassing the, um, the atmosphere. Right. But you know, that those are all ideas and we don't know if, it, if that actually works or if it, it's actually feasible to, to do that. It's but, fun to talk about anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that's why I, I I think when I grew up, this this education about technology and how people perceived it back then. I mean, there were there one magazine that was the best one. That, uh, I think it was from the early fifties, and they um, they predicted that cars would run run on uranium. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the idea is pretty nice. You know, you fuel it once and you right. drive forever. Right. Uh, but of course, uh, in the car after every <laughs> after every car crash, you have to evacuate the city for ten thousand years. That's a, that's not going to work. <laughs> Oops, you forgot about that downside. part. <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't know that back. You know, they right. didn't know back then, right. or not that much. So they they just thought, well, we just decontaminate de 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 the the corner and everything will be fine. But I mean, the idea was nice and mm -hmm. it seemed like possible by, by the standards of of their knowledge you know you, you never have to fuel a car it's right. just gonna run yeah i guess and, that's, uh, so yeah. we have a lot of those ideas right now where you think wow you know that that's just the possibility the possibilities are endless but basically they're not there it's right. always that's true yeah, yeah that's true so yeah yeah it's weird it's crazy it's a great time to be alive really i think for all the yeah, it, bullshit that, i really love that about that you know the it it's it's constantly changing it it it's challenging you it's challenging society as a collective mm -hmm. uh, it's it's very interesting to observe it's very interesting to be part of i think and, it's, uh, yeah i think that's part of part of the reason that the traditional uh religious values and stuff aren't aren't working anymore because you know well the traditional religious I'm values are crap anyway you well, know. maybe not, you know, 2000, ago, 2000 years ago or, you know, a thousand years ago when people were fucking who knows what they were doing as, as a form of it, it, I, I doubt it, uh, I'm sure it was a step towards becoming more civilized. You know what I mean? Probably not necessarily, but uh, OK, for the for the sake of argument, <laughs> for the sake of argument, whatever you say, I'm going to counter it. So. <laughs> I'm just saying, um, you know, hard, hard line rules, r religious, um, uh, conservative religious values, you know, they, they may have worked well at one point, 
for a society. I imagine they wouldn't have stuck so hard if they didn't work at one point, you know, because things that don't function well don't usually last that long. You know, I, I've got no credentials to comment. This is all just me talking at my ass. But basically, yeah. the, the point I'm, I was going to say is that one thing that is for sure, I think, is that things are getting more chaotic and less predictable in general because of technology, basically. Everything is is – there's less to depend on because everything's changing so fast. And so the belief systems that like, like Zen, Buddhism, or Eastern-type philosophies are definitely more suited – for a for a more chaotic world because they're about letting go and not trying to control things and that's the only way you can really function in a world where there's just kind of chaos everywhere and there's not traditional structures you can hang on to for to make you feel better or you know what i'm saying right yeah well um so what speaks for your argument is that buddhism is technically not a religion so you're, you're yeah. safe on that side. <laughs> but Definitely no, Zen uh, is even my, worse. My, yeah, my, my approach to the whole uh, religious problem is, um, you know, like around 10,000 years ago, this, this hairless ape was running around somewhere in Africa and suddenly the, this consciousness appeared, right? So you, that the brain developed and possibly the self-awareness for meeting mushrooms, possibly. Well, yeah, possibly, possibly, you know, whatever it, it nobody knows. And it, it's highly speculative, but yeah, it yeah. happened for right. whatever reason. And probably with aliens. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so, okay. So the, the brain developed and, and self-awareness, uh, for, for the first time arose. And so, um, and suddenly, uh, those beings were trapped in, in, in a place they couldn't explain. Right. And, uh, so all those different tribal religions started with the shaman, the, you know, the, the stick in the middle of the village where yeah. the fire was and, you know, yep. all that, all the things that, that gave them a place of sanity in a moment where the brain started going insane with all the information. Right. And that keeps on going till today, because, you know, if, if you, if you look at the vastness of space and tr even try to, 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 uh, contemplate what's going on out there, yeah, you know, that the insignificant, the insignificance of being on that planet right. and be being human, uh, if if you if you really think about that and let it sink in, it it, it drives you nuts. Mm. It has to. So you always need. There will always be the need of an of a system that explains it, right? Simple, like breaks it down. Okay, so seven days. This yeah. guy made it. <laughs> then he had a rest, and that's it. Right. And everybody goes, that sounds good. So it's basically. Uh, I think Heinz von Foster had an interview once where he said, well, it's religion and, and science. It's not about truth. It's about who tells the best story and who gets the most followers. Right. Or like McKenna said, give me every, every, every scientific explanation 
asks for one miracle. And then they, based on that miracle, they explain everything. So right. religion have God, you know, unexplainable, but he's there and he did everything. Uh, the, the, the astrophysics say, well, there was Big Bang. We don't know why. We don't know why it happened, but everything starts there. So right. give us that one miracle and we explain everything else from there on. Right. So you, you have all those, those uh, approaches where you basically start at the point that you can't explain yeah, and that's that, true. That, that's why, for me, I mean, I give science that they they are much much more critical, and you know, that the uh, the idea of a theory and the and the counter theory and all that theorems how to, how to, how, to, how it works, and nothing's really true. So that it it that works for science, but in the end, it's all you know, explaining the unexplainable. Yep. And uh, which is a necessity. Yeah, I think it keeps you in a, in a certain area of sanity. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we can talk about that terminology. What's what's sane and what's what's insane? Right. I mean, that's usually <laughs> defined by the masses. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so th- th- that's that's the origin of religion. The, it, it's it's the first explanation model we have for what we saw when we became self-aware. Right. It just developed, and then uh, basically, then the next big step was the settling down, like Babylon, um, which the Codex Hammurabi uh, was the first written down law, mm. and it's most about property and and breaking the law, like. It, it it has already parts of the Ten Commandments, right? Basically. But but what I was saying is those those things were created because there was a need for them, and if they didn't yes. work, they probably wouldn't have stuck. So they did; they were useful for the times they were created, probably. Yeah, but that was for me this this the whole superstition that 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 sinks through all that, and then. The hierarchy that's built upon that—that—that's just so. I mean, what you have to consider about why it stuck around so long was that the the powerful, the people who were in charge, the that's kings, true, yeah. but right. they made a pact with religion, right, right? And religion made a pact with with the leader, the powerful. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for and sure. You still have that. That's true. That's that, true. That connection. So that's well, why it's still correct. Not not why it's it's not here. Why it's, because it's uh, it's working well. No, <laughs> it's more like well, it's, it's working well for for the top the top one percent. Right. 1%. Right. Yeah. 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 It's working well for the Pope, and it's working right. well for the Queen, and it's working well for mm-hmm. the President of whatever. But it just um, see, it just seems like when that when it when when the when the systems are outgrown by the the mass population, then discord happens and it's time to move on to another stage and the powers that be will try and keep it in place because it's working for them. But eventually it can't work forever. I mean, it could, I guess. I don't think though. It's like when enough people get wise to it, they're going to, you know, enough. I mean, we, 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 we talked about, we live in an era with all this development and, with all also with like political peril some things are going in the wrong way mm-hmm. yet 
there are more violent demonstrations on the street for football results than for political change. Right. So, you know, as long as people prefer to uh, be entertained than to be educated, uh, I don't see a necessity for change. And I think that that's something that people who are in charge see the same way. I mean, one of my theories is that the Roman Empire never ceased to exist. It just got adapted. And if you see all those patterns, like uh, bread and games, divide and conquer, uh, it's still in place. And as long as the Colosseum is up and, you know, like uh, American Gladiator or whatever those TV shows are called, have so much followers and people are keep people keep watching and wasting their time with uh you know that won't basically the people in charge can do whatever they want and that's what the the romans did the senators and and the emperors they they put all those systems in place to keep the plebs entertained and so they could get away with anything right and we still live in, in 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 a system that works that way yeah yeah I mean, there's the occasional uh, sacrifice of of a celebrity, but in 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 the in the big scheme of things, uh, they do whatever they want. They get away with it, and everybody else pays the bill. That's true. And uh, that's how, you know that's how it worked for the last four thousand years. And I don't see why the internet is changing. Actually, the internet is. Kind of making it worse. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's more uh, more entertainment. That's for sure. More entertainment to distract people. Yeah, but it's, but it's, it, what coincides with that is more information. But at the same time, there's more disinformation. So it's just that's kind of what I'm getting at as far as just the the, the chaos. It, it's at a point where even the people in charge can't control everything anymore. Because everything's just going and going at this super yeah. fast speed, and it's like you know, round and round she goes. That's, where it stops, nobody knows. That's what McKenna said, right? There's nobody in charge. The, the, right. It's a train. It's a train. Yeah. And and the people who try to change anything are are desperate and 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 angry people and and uh, you know, you're in America, you know that. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> people who try to be in, char- in charge they, they they i think to a certain extent they realize they can change things like you know uh f- for a while but the the big the big moloch that's moving along that i think that's not you can't stop it you can't change it you right. can't bring it down and you can't elevate it to a next level it's just this gray mass of things right it's like but- a rip I, I guess I, you know, maybe maybe we have a difference of underlying philosophy where I kind of feel like, as fucked up as everything is, it's 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 the way it's supposed to be going. I know it sounds stupid and and airy fairy, but it's like to me, it's sort of the whole thing is just a big game. It's just a big game. I'm, I guess I'm talking like cosmically. It's all it's 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 a big game and none of it really matters. And well, the the yeah, I, it's easy to say sitting here and not you know starving in a in a third world country. But um, 
Well, it's, it's it's always been like the philosophy was always written by people in in nice houses right. and surround, <laughs> surrounded. You know, Plato wasn't poor. Right. Socrates yeah, wasn't right. poor. They were. Right. The, I mean, nobody reads the the well nowadays maybe, but like the last few centuries and millennia, nobody read the the, the biography of the poor. Right. But. Yeah, it's it, the game. It, it's more like um, it's the ultimate virtual uh, reality game. Reality. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a, it's basically an, an honor to to experience reality for that time that is given. And yeah. uh, I, I talked today about that to to one of my Instagram friends. Like you know, all those um, um, mental illnesses or or problems, people seem to have more and more like anxiety attacks. And mm-hmm. um, I I try to to see everything on the you know I try to find the upside of ever, right. anything, and the upside of anything is the possibility to experience reality uh, outweighs any problem and any disruption that right. comes with because it is still part of the experience that is worth right experiencing right right uh you can call it a game you can call it a, a show and th- there are lots of things that actually sh- you know point in that direction that it we, we probably see it the wrong way and we probably do it wrong right like with you know working making money for having something that could be much cheaper. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the, the codex Hammurabi was basically the first one to settle, to set down that, you know, okay, so this city belongs to somebody says who, right. <laughs> you know, property was invented 5,000 years ago by one guy. Yeah. So said, weird. okay, this is my city. And if you want to live here, you got to pay says who, yeah. <laughs> Why? doesn't doesn't make sense even five thousand years later it's just like right it's a human know, human idea why, why, why can't i go into the forest and build a tent no i go to prison if i do that yeah you know everything is owned by somebody and everything's forbidden by somebody else so it, it, it there's something very wrong about the whole idea and that didn't start this this century or last century that's been right. there forever. So, and but, I don't have. There is no solution to that, right? You, right. you can't. Yeah, because the alternative is okay. You make everything. No one can own anything, and then basically the people who have all the guns can go and take whatever the fuck they want and not let anybody right. own it. So there's kind of it's kind of like a double bind. There's really no answer. Yeah, but but that's what <laughs> I say. It, it it you have to you have to see it from the experience side just right. to. Yeah, yeah. Go with the flow. Enjoy the ride, like Bill Hicks used to say. It's a ride. It starts here, it ends here, and everything in in between is up to you. Right. And I mean that that's something that people don't really see that you you always have a choice. I mean, even if somebody puts a gun to my head and said, "Eat your shit," or "I shoot you," you still have a choice. Right. Right. I mean, probably your last one, but. It's all, there's always a choice. And if, if people say they are trapped, well, 
every second of every day, you can just walk away from the life you have. Oh yeah, I, I know so and, many people that are, that just complain about the situation in, and yeah. and there you can stand, you can stop, leave your house, and never come back. There are That's a choice. Thing, yeah, exactly. There are choices. It's just they're not any choices that you might particularly want or think are the best choices for for, for what you want. But I, I I liked what Alan Watts said about as a kind of a general rule um, sort of speaks to what you're talking about, having an optimistic perspective, which is, you know, you can look at the universe as a hostile place that's chaotic and dangerous and you're separate from it. Right. Or you can look at it as a, uh, uh, you, you can look at it that way, but, what does that mean? How are you going to live your life in a situation like that? You're always going to be on guard. You're always going to be thinking that right. something's out to get you. The alternative is you can just trust it, you mm-hmm. know, just trust it. And, and that's, if nothing else, it's an easier way to live your life because you're not afraid all the time. And you're not thinking that the whole but, universe is out to get you and, and destroy you and everything is bad and, you know, by but, nature. Everything changes by changing your perception of it. Right. I mean, uh, I mean, not necessarily the big guy in the bar who's about to punch you, (laughs) but, uh, but if, if you change your perception of, of your, the general reality, you're surrounded, uh, there's, there's always the bad things you can focus on, but there's always the good things you can focus on, or you can just, you know, wiggle somewhere in the middle and uh, balance it out and say, well, you know, sometimes sometimes it's not too good and sometimes, uh, well, you have just to deal with certain things. But on the other hand, there are also nice things and you can focus on those. And I just see most people just focus so much on the negative mm-hmm. and make their life bad and just, yeah. you know, everything's dangerous and you know yeah. Yeah. that's a pity because they they in, in the end it's their life they ruin not somebody else's right and sometimes they do ruin other people's lives <laughs> True, <Actually. but laughs> ma- mainly it's their yeah. own yeah and yeah. It's, sometimes yeah. there's just collateral but right yeah collateral damage all right well this is getting into a crazy philosophical discussion so let's bring it back a little bit i i want to talk to you about um this this uh, business you've started, but first, before we get into that, um, you know, you, you I, I um, value your perspective on the art scene because you're like you're in it, but I think because you're in Europe as well, you, and also because you're very Austrian, right? <laughs> you, you're like you kind of remain. You're very observant and you sort of remain outside of it in a way, as much as you're part of it, you are also right. like not entrenched in it and you're and you're very kind of like objective about things. You're not you're not super emotional and get like we've talked about this before. You don't get like when when conflicts and stuff come up, you don't get all bent out of shape and start wigging out and calling doing crazy shit. So um I'm just curious to to to, to hear your perspective of kind of being in on this whole dark art movement thing from the very beginning, or at least when it started really kind of getting legs. And like we said, in 2005 or early two thousands, what have you seen happen in general 
what, what perception do you have of, of where this movement has kind of gone and where it's going and just kind of an outside perspective? Because I know for me, it's like, I, I have, I try and have an outside perspective, but I'm, I'm way into it. Like it's, right. I'm, I'm so into it. Sometimes it's kind of hard to see outside of my own trip, you know, but I, I, I don't change much that I have said in the documentary, actually. Um, I think um, the the main purpose from my from, from my perspective is to document uh, the sign of the times, mm-hmm. and like we said before, and we we talked about it in the documentary. It's it's uh, it's dark times. That we have all the technology, we have all the possibilities, and we use them all for the wrong, for the wrong reasons and for the wrong purposes. Um, and the dark art movement, I think, plugs into that, like the subconscious of it, mm-hmm. and brings it to to reality and and shows it to people. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. So it, it's it's like a it's like a black mirror right re- reflecting only certain aspects of what's going on right now but also always hidden in symbolism and and iconography iconography right um and uh i think that has been there from the beginning and it's still there but like that's the mo- main motivation mm. maybe not on a conscious level but on a subconscious that's level that's yeah that's that's <clears throat> because something I want different to add, artists add in there. Yeah, di- di- different artists uh, come from different angles, and yet they end up doing the same thing. Right. And that, that's why I think it's not like okay, now I'm going to paint a monster and yeah. it's going to look like this. That that, it, that that's, I'm sorry. I think that, your 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 approach is like you 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 just let your brain take oh. over or your subconscious take over. Right. And, the painting paints itself and you're just a medium. Right. Definitely. That's what's trippy about it to me is that like, you know, I, I guess that that goes to this whole overall philosophy I have that sort of like, I don't want to say, I, I hate to use words like God is in control of everything. Cause that's not, yeah, that I would exp- hate to do that too. <laughs> that doesn't express everything, but there's kind of an element that sentiment I think is true to a degree in the sense that things that we need happen. Mm. They happen when we need them. I'm talking like on this huge global scale and blah, blah, blah. If you are open to allowing yourself to be used in that way. So for example, I, you know, I'm not, I, I didn't set out never, never, never sat out, set out to go yeah i'm gonna the the world's dark and people need to see it so i'm gonna paint these monsters and show them and hold a mirror up to them at all it was purely because i was like i'm going to be my most authentic self that's the only thing i'm doing here and i'm gonna enjoy what i'm doing so it's it's almost like the more people who let let me finish real quick the more people who are willing to be their authentic selves allow themselves to be to kind of go into this flow and be utilized by some energy 
that is what maybe they need to be in the context of their place in the world, maybe. So, so you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, it, <clears throat> what you're saying is it, it was a necessity for you to do it, but it also was a necessity for the collective for you to do it. Right. Like it seems like, you know, it's, it's and, that, and that that interacts perfectly, and that makes you an authentic artist in the concept of the whole. Right. So uh, it's it's like perception. Right. And so it's it's. I think that that's really the the important thing that every single person can do to try and contribute to a fucked up everything is is first and foremost before you do anything before you try and get into politics or anything the first thing you need to do is find out who you are. Yeah. And commit to being that person. Allow yeah. yourself to be who you truly are. And everything kind of will flow from there naturally. And you won't have to work so hard at it and think about it, strategize about it. You know, it's like, but, but anyway, that's kind of what I was trying to say. Yeah. And I, and I think well, that. Well said. I, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I do believe that, 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 you know, if nothing else, you know, without you know putting ourselves on pedestals as dark artists if nothing else it is whether it's helping or not can be debated i'm sure by many people but if nothing else it is the most reflective uh, art of the time we're in you know it's the most relevant to the time we're in i believe yeah you know as I mean, far as far as reflecting the culture back in itself Yeah, and uh, like I said, in in, in uh, using symbolism that can be misinterpreted, of course. Right. Yeah. But yeah. but it, uh, I might. Yeah, I agree. It's 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 the one the one art movement that has the mirror out for everybody to look into. Right. And that that's why I think it would be it it it's so important that shows like uh, Del Toro's show need to come more like pop up more often and in other places. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think they will. Yeah. It, yeah. It, you, it, do you see that happening? I mean, you see that happening. You see this thing continuing to grow, right. From your, yeah, from your I, kind of perspective. I, I would say, well, like I said, we're still here. It's still going that, that that's the best indicator that, that that's it's true. not completely wrong. <laughs> if, if a, if a, if an art movement survives uh, twelve years or longer, and That's it's still true. there, it's still strong, and it still has galleries to show, and it has some of the artists actually make it to mainstream. I I'd, I'd say it's a good sign, and I see a lot of um, um, indicators in society that, like the whole memento mori thing, the the you know coming back from too much hum like too much uh, enlightenment where it's you know everything's everything's gonna be fine and mm -hmm. just come back to the reality of things like the physics of things that we're all mortal everything we do is going to end eventually and the more you realize it and not fear it like Pelenius says in fight club you have to understand you die not fear right uh, when you understand you're going to die and everything you do has an end date and will eventually perish, um, the more people will act reasonably uh, with more conscience and compassion 
and with uh, an idea of future generations having the same possibilities. Because as long as everybody acts as if they're immortal, you know, there come certain irresponsibilities with, mm. with that kind of philosophy that basically whatever I'm doing right now, I can do forever. Right. And, uh, yeah. And that brings me back to what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm contributing to that kind of momentum. Yeah. Well, well, that, it, it, it is, a, it's a good, uh, segue because, you know, you, you've had, a lot of ideas as long as I've known you for like things to do and contribute to the scene right. and start businesses, book companies. And at one point you want to start a gallery and you know, you, you've had a lot of little kind of like projects that never seem to stick or get past a certain point. And then when we, we, we uh, had lunch the other day and you showed me what you're working on. I'm like, this is the thing. This is the thing. <laughs> This is so amazing. It's so cool. You know, you, it, we wanted to, you know, promote this thing on the show, but, um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to yeah, promote we, it unless we got, it, we, yeah. we got sidetracked by saving the world. So. <laughs> but I mean, I, I wouldn't have uh, wanted to promote it if I didn't think it was totally amazing myself. So, you know, uh, I'm doing it because you're a friend, but. I'm actually mostly doing it because I think it's fucking badass. It's so cool. I couldn't believe it when you showed me. Just tell tell everybody what what you're uh, what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, I, well, the 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 story goes goes quite a while back, and uh, I I once saw in a like really old TV show that um, like a side side character that showed up like three times in the whole thing. He had this uh, oddity shop. Mm. and just you know and those places now like 20 or 25 years later after that tv show you have really all those oddity shops coming up and you know right. you get skull skull rings and like into the fire jewelry you know all those yeah. all those jewelries that came up over the last five years selling really nice nice jewelry but for the most part i uh they lack quality mm -hmm. like like really there are a lot of us, like interestingly, a lot of people out there who do really detailed sculptures and there are a lot of people out there doing rings. And yet there are very few that make like really well detailed, nice designed rings. Mm -hmm. And they're all silver. Right. Most of them. And so I, I went back and, and did a little research and, um, the first material that like in tribal societies that has been used because it was available in abundance was bone. Oh, no way. I didn't know that. Well, with every kill, you make, basically yeah, totally had, makes had sense. Bones. Obvious. And now. The, the first, the first tools like needles, daggers, in flutes, instruments. Um, and then interestingly, uh, musical instruments and jewelry basically came at the same time. Huh. Again, around 10,000 years ago, uh, with, with the appearance of self-conscious and awareness, uh, all those things came into being suddenly, uh, like small figurines of worship, mm -hmm. um, instruments to make music. Yeah, basically art. Uh, yes, exactly. So the, 
art came hand in hand with self-awareness and consciousness. And so my idea was, again, like we talked with the paintings, to go back to the original, how it was used uh, in the beginning when it started. And that made me think about, well, why not do bone jewelry and not just the the crude carved right. things get in 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 those oddity shops, but like really well designed, high resolution, detailed bone jewelry. Yeah, and uh, so I, I started doing that, and well, um, I prepared for like about two years. I collected materials that you need because you know I. The, fu- the future is I, I want to do human bone jewelry. Mm-hmm. I like use human bones as, as base material. Yeah, that would and, be amazing. Well, you can't go into any shop and just buy bones, right? So right. I, I I stacked up a little bit on on uh, um, on human bones, um, and I went online about two months ago, and it it really went well. Uh, I, I got constant, I mean, it's not, I, it's not that I could live of it, but it's really, it picked up right from the first week. People keep, keep ordering. It's basically, Um, it's basically jewelry and flutes as well. Made out of horn uh, horn and bone. I, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's mainly, uh, jewelry, but it's also items of worship Um, I do like, uh, uh, human, like a, a FEMA trumpet. Right. Um, yeah, I gotta get one of those. You should give me one for, for for free, for free. (laughs) (laughs) After I give you that painting, I owe you from like 10 years ago. (laughs) Oh, the, uh, the, the, the the Berkeley, the Berkeley copy, the, the Berkeley, the Isle of the Dead. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I won't. I'll never forget. By the time yeah, you get it, it's gonna be worth way more than than what you paid for, it because my prices nice. will have gone up. So anyway, well, if your price has gone up, I'll be rich anyway because I have <laughs> like eight paintings or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> and a sketchbook. Hey, That's Chris, <laughs> I got the sketchbook. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So. They're, so I, I, they're amazing. It, it took me about it took me about two years developing the whole idea, and now it's been online for two two months, and it you know it, it's really great. It works. I got good followers. And what's I got, what's the it, name of it? You got a weird name. Okay, uh, yeah, it's a Latin name. We probably put the link somewhere. Yeah, yeah, we'll have, we'll have links. But... Uh, it's 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 uh, Osua et Acroamata. It means Osua's bone, like ossuary. Uh-huh. Uh, bone and uh, acromata is um, like um, oral uh, transported knowledge, like all wow. the stuff that that's not written down, like forbidden knowledge. There are different uh, different possibilities of of translating it, and uh, yeah, and also uh, well, the the shortcut is uh, alpha and omega. So, ah, oh, there you go. That's something that everyone can understand. Yeah, but um, yeah, we put a link somewhere, and uh, I think that's the best way. Just click it on yeah, Instagram. Yeah, because the stuff looks so cool. I could not believe the quality you're getting. They're amazing, amazing. Yeah, 
I really want one um, of those skull rings. So fucking cool. So but I think cool. about doing conventions anyway because uh, the I can't get the detail properly documented on photographs on yeah. the internet. Yeah, you have to see it Just in person. Have to, you have to it, like it, everybody who everybody who bought one told me afterwards. I couldn't believe how detailed they yeah. are. I couldn't see it on the internet, and they're so much better yeah. in real life. Yeah, it's a, it's and, amazing. Uh, it's going to do really well. And so I, I really need to do conventions. I did a funny thing uh, in Paris last week. I, I hit a, I made a treasure hunt. Oh, really? Uh, with a ring. And it worked really well. It just took like 12 hours for somebody to find oh, how it. Oh, cool. That's great. And uh, I'll be in Rome in three weeks. I'm going to do in Rome a oh, treasure cool. hunt as well. Excellent. And I'll probably be in New York in July. So I'm doing one in Central Park. That's uh, yeah, that, that's really funny to, to you know, fun to to get the people involved, and then they tell people who live there, like friends of them, and you know, go look for that, yeah, and get a free ring. Uh, <laughs> and I, I was surprised how I, I thought it's going to be there for a week or so, and then eventually gets find by, found by somebody who's cleaning the park. But yeah, it, right, that's a good sign was, though that it, that it was twelve hours. Just like I, I'm telling yeah, you, was, this this it, this is your thing. Was, this is going to be the one that 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 hits big. Just when I. It just is so. It's the right time for this kind of these kind of yeah, items, exactly. you know. It, it, everything, everything seems to have developed to that stage where you can actually do that. If I would have done that ten years ago, I would have gone broke right. in the first month. Right. Nobody would have gone for that anyway. And now it's just, yeah, it it just took a while, and now we're here, cool. and still enjoying the ride. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. Um... Yeah, you need to get a table at Monster Palooza too. That yeah, that's one. Uh, yeah, I, I tried to get into uh, the um, Empire State in oh, July. Yeah, yeah. yeah, any tattoo show, those things will go yeah, crazy. Sell like I nuts. really want to focus on the big ones. Yeah, know, yeah, for uh, sure. Travel with with those items is difficult. Customs will be a nightmare. Yeah, uh, I will never be able to do one in in Australia. They will never let me enter the the, the country with that because they have uh, they have so high restrictions on organic material. Oh, really? They would have to uh, like spray it with stuff, and uh, so I I I got an order pending to Australia, and that's like my test run. Uh, right. What are they gonna do with that one item? But. Yeah, it, it uh, it's supposed to be like e- either quarantine for a few months, so I'd, I'd have to ship the the items like three months ahead. Oh my god! And yeah, like I said, it it, it might be quite difficult to 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 do that in Australia. Um, I think America is not that much of a problem. Yeah, uh, costs will be fun though. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you don't have to even tell them it's bone. You, couldn't you tell them it was? Well, it doesn't show up on X-ray. I think it's it all looks the same organic material. Yeah, but, you could just say you, know, if, you could say they're resin or something. Yeah, well, there were, there will be resin rings probably. I mean, I'm I'm trying to do some. Oh yeah, you're gonna or, do that like, as well, right? Like uh, I thought about clear resin ones with human yeah. splinters in it, like human bone splinters in it. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. So, I you know what I was thinking of the other day was uh it would be so cool to 
I mean, it wouldn't be cool, but if you had to have a part of your body amputated, like a foot <laughs> or a finger, I wonder if you could get the bone and have it carved I, I, into something cool. I, sh- I show you a link of a guy who had a motorcycle accident and had a knife made out of his, uh, I think it was the femur. Oh, wow. So he, like, just uh, the handle of the knife is his own bone. He had it That's so specially cool. made. So cool. Perfect, yeah. perfect way to kill your enemies. <laughs> <laughs> and then I killed him with my own femur. <laughs> Uh, that that's a nice line for a biography. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Much better than guitar string. Just yeah, <laughs> yeah. So check it out. It's going to be amazing. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to yeah, seeing and, all uh, the stuff you come up with. I mean, I I keep telling people, and so far it was true. Uh, you need to buy them now because eventually uh, I'll raise the prices. Yeah, because yeah. right now they are really they're really cheap for for the the amount of work and detail that goes in it and when when i get the other like the the this i'm eventually i'm going to do silver because some rings i have they might just you know they're so detailed and it's just more durable in silver right so as 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 soon as i have the silver and the resin ones uh, i'll have to raise the prices for the like the the real deal Mm mm-hmm so if if people get rings right now, they get it maybe half price of what oh, they wow. will be in a year. Yeah, yeah. Introductory so, rates while you establish yeah, yourself. Yeah, I mean, it, well, it's it's like with with any art, you you just have to see how it works and what are people willing to pay for certain like size paintings, right. big size, small size, and then when when you get an estimate of of what what's going on and uh, uh, how people are willing to spend, how much of people are willing to spend on certain items then you can like my, my biggest nightmare is that it actually takes off and i get a hundred orders by tomorrow right yeah yeah, yeah. what i'm gonna <laughs> do with a hundred orders? i mean it's nice to have that much money but what am i gonna do with uh, you know yeah it will yeah. take me half a year to to work off that order and right. so if, if i raise the prices there will be less orders but i would still make the same amount of money and well so, you, know, t- you have you have to to uh, yeah, when you have something popular, that's the risk you take. Though, oh, yeah. Because hey, that's kind of, yeah. we started charging at the door for conjoined one year to try and cut down on foot traffic because it got oh, too right. too big and, and more people showed up. <laughs> yeah. It was, that didn't really work. And one other very interesting thing I've observed over the years is that when people pay more for a certain item, they take care better mm-hmm. of it yeah because you know right now the prices are 160 a ring which really? is you know that's cheap yeah. though that's it, really cheap yeah, i said it, it like you said in introductory yeah rates right now so uh but you know people go like yeah 160 you know it's it, for some people it's in a lot of money but for jewelry as such i mean they're you know you get silver rings for 500 right so yeah, and that's yeah. really hand carved hand carved ring right something else and i think if if the ring would be 600 people would treat it differently yeah and yeah. it would last longer and they would have more uh it, it would work better for them i mean I've, the, the biggest compliment so far i got from a guy uh here in england somewhere i forgot where 
was it Scotland? I forgot where I sent it to. Anyway, but he said it, it's the most treasured item he has, and he's gonna be buried in it. Ah, that's, that's so cool. Awesome. <laughs> that's so awesome because you know that 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 basically is the exact thing I want to do. It's like this ritualistic, tribalistic item right. that you would wear, and the bone actually takes in your your body. Uh, you know the ex- ex- uh, everything your body excretes, like your finger, the, mm. the the oil, the sweat. Everything goes into the bone, and actually takes care of the bone because that's what the bone needs. It needs bodily fluids. And really, you know, is this true? Yeah. This is a real thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so and weird. Because it like you, conditions it, the, it condi- conditions the bone, sort of. Well, if you leave it on the, uh, the bone, is a is a natural material. If you leave it on the shelf. Uh, for five years, it will dry out. Wow! And the, the, your fingers have slight, like a little bit of, uh, uh, like not oil, grease, but oils like and, oil. Yeah, parts. yeah. And and that actually keeps the the ring uh, smooth and 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 moisturized and keeps it, it keeps it in shape and everything. That's even so cooler. You have now. this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you have this this item on you that basically becomes you over time. Yeah, and then you you you. You keep wearing it when you get buried, and since it's an organic material, they even let you, because you can't take like nowadays in in, in graveyards, you can't have jewelry. Mm. They uh, they take that off and give it back to the relatives. All right. But if if you, I think I'm pretty sure that you could leave that on because it's organic material, and you, it would totally make the story complete if that yeah. if that's the case. You, you, we we totally would go back to the to the original tribalistic uh, um, purpose of of jewelry, right? Like make it something really ident like ident- uh, uh, unique, mm-hmm. made for this one person specially. And like I said, the the jewelry becomes part of the person over time. Yeah, that's great. That's really cool. So, yeah, it's like I thought about it, right? <laughs> It's well, it's just you know, it's one of those ideas that's just like when you first told me about it, I was like, oh shit, this is the one. Yeah, this is the idea. This is the million dollar idea. Yeah, and I, I, it's amazing to, uh, to have, you talked about it. I think about with with Josh too. Like you get so much positive feedback, and I, I except for one person who was like, uh, like criticizing using human bones for jewelry. Uh, but everybody else was just like positive. And, no, and bones are so cool. <laughs> bones are amazing. Everybody loves bones. True. <laughs> <laughs> All the cool kids love bones anyway. Yeah, the cool kids. <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool. Yeah. So, so you're just going to keep, uh, you have like a certain line of them right now and then you're going to keep adding to it or do you have a plan or are you just sort of like... Uh, Playing it by ear. Well, um, I mean, the skulls are uh, a, a must. That they 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 will always be part of the, the right. production line. Um, I have collaborations with artists. Mm-hmm. I, I did the two Michael Husser pendants. Uh, one still available, one sold. Um, I have two other people I'm working on right now that can't talk about it until it's done, and. Uh, I got some other designs coming up. Um, um, 
I think I'll be able to post them on Friday, maybe or Monday, depending on oh, cool. uh, when when it's all done. And I'll start this week with making molds for uh, the resin, the resin line. And then when the, that line works, uh, I'll I'll do the silver line because I need the molds for the right. for the wax. Well, so I'm gra- gradually gradually going going further into the different variations of it. But yeah. like I said, that the the main idea and the main purpose of the whole thing are the the bone the, the bone jewelry and uh, yeah. Well, that's, that's that 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 was that was always the idea. If you ever want to do one of my designs, I would be into it. Uh, I have to think about it. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to think about whether I'm gonna post this podcast. <laughs> Might have to put a rerun. Uh, yeah, I actually, <laughs> I actually looked through. I mean, you you do a lot of uh, you know sculpting yourself, so I don't want to you know piss on your parade. Uh, no, but no. if 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 you wanna if you if if you ever feel like that one thing might make a good ring or oh yeah yeah I, 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 I yeah yeah I haven't thought about it but um, I'm sure there'd be some really cool ones that would make good pendants or rings or something yeah kind of cool designs but that'd be so cool to see it in bone it'd be amazing I love it I love it it's a great idea. Yeah, so so far it works, and it looks like it's 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 really working out. I'm really happy about it. Yeah, really glad. I gotta get one. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll figure something out. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, the 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 trumpet for the painting. That uh, we can do that. that. That'll be nice. Yeah, yeah, the, the trumpet idea is so cool. Bone trumpet. <laughs> Funny thing, I, uh, I just was at, at Giger's house, right? Mm-hmm. And we, we, we walked through the studio, and there was a t- Tibetan human trumpet on the, a human bone trumpet on the on the, on the wall. So oh, he, of course, he had, <laughs> yeah, of course he had one. Wow. Who would have thunk? <laughs> yeah, just that that was funny to see. Yeah, you just uh, b- b- we're, we got to uh, uh, wrap it up here soon. But before we go, whoa, you were just at Giger's place. That's pretty. You just dropped that casually. Yeah, I was going through Giger's house the other day and I saw a bone trumpet. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, he was one of the first artists I, I, I collaborated with in 2004, I think. On what? Um, uh, we did a catalog together for, for a show. Oh shit! I didn't. I don't think like, I knew that even. Maybe I knew, yeah, it, but I don't like, remember it. That was like that's like a really long time ago, and I met a lot of you know people who are uh, involved with him and were are still involved with his art. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his agent Les, yeah, uh, a few other people, and uh, his wife Carmen. Um, really nice, really nice people. Uh, he was a really nice person. It's a really a pity he's not there anymore. I know. I but wish he, I could have met him. Yeah, it was really fun to talk to, and you know, he, he, everybody saw him as this dark master of Satanism and what ha- what have right. you. And he was like, "Ah, oh, this is all a joke. You know, you have to see it as a joke." And, uh-huh. You know, he, <laughs> he explained his paintings like it's 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 all just laughable, and it, the way he described it, and the, the details, you know, that you have this 
this dark painting with you know pentagrams and devils and in the corner there's a there's a small puppet with a dildo in his hand and smiling right right and so he, he always put those those small trinkets in you have to look for and that makes it kind of funny and and mm-hmm. less less dark uh, like people want to see him and right. he wasn't like that at all yeah he was just well, exploring a different version yeah. of it yeah yeah well that's you know we always talk about that on the uh, this on the podcast how dark art people are generally really cool and kind of positive and upbeat people and and you know it's pretty yeah. cool cool to hear that giger was that same way too oh yeah yeah you know absolutely but he was just doing his thing you know he just he was I, I that's he was uh being his authentic self artistically you know he was just yeah and he was so ahead of his time oh, with yeah. everything he did like, amazing yeah, that's that was really incredible yeah yeah so, yeah there's uh nobody like him and i've like as popular as he is and as much people try to copy him i've never seen anybody come even close to what he does no. or what he did no and that's like that's like really insane it it his paintings are it, it's uncopyable it can't, yeah. you can't copy that stuff because it's so complex and that the the technique he uses is so unique yeah yeah you could tell his his hand was in it for sure yeah and it was so it's so trippy the way he um i don't know i just the way he used the airbrush made made it really look like it existed like it was real you know really well he's as far as I know, he's the only one left that still is in the art market that used airbrush. There's, I don't think there are much artists still being traded at, you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, his, painting, his paintings are like six figures now, like middle, high six figures. Wow. I, I wouldn't know any airbrush artist that was, would sell for 20,000. Yeah, yeah. No, just like I any... Mean, that, that, any great artist, he had a lot of really cool things about him. You know, it wasn't just yeah. what, just the paint, the paintings on their own were amazing, but his technique yeah. was weird and unusual and signature. And, uh, he had a weird sensibility and his little jokey things he put in his paintings. Cause I, I know exactly what you're talking about. The weird puppets and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the, 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 the flat painting is one of those like really dark. And then you have, like it, it's like a a plate coming in from the side that's been thrown from somebody with like stakes in it and they fly directly on towards the head of flood and he was like he looks like a small kid that's frightened from those stakes coming at him <laughs> it's like it's like the whole painting is like it, it it's so funny i mean it's it's all in his this classic like his colors right. blue bluish black I know. really dark painting but the 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 content is 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 comical. It's right. really interesting. The complete juxtaposition of 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 technique and content. Yeah, really interesting. I see. I I always kind of put to me, him, Giger and Bekshinsky are are kind of like two sides of the same coin in a way. I don't know if that's mm. the right way of putting it, but they're equals, I believe, and. Um, you know, Bekczynski was more of a traditional painter, even though his technique was kind of weird too. 
Giger had more of an unusual. It's like it's like Bekshinsky is more of a corpsey, earthy, mm-hmm. dried out. You know, on on some sort of physical plane, and Giger stuff is more like kind of eth- etheric in a way or other. I don't yeah. know. It's weird. It's 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 hard to hard to explain. But you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. You know. I mean that. I think that was one of the biggest problem of Giger that he couldn't be categorized. That he was just so way out there. Right. And in all the group shows he was in, he stood out, but not necessarily in a positive way for the art scene. Right. As people just didn't know. You know, first of all, airbrush was kind of frowned upon. Right. Especially it's so stupid in the, in the 80s. It's so dumb yeah. to frown upon something. It's it's like it's the painting. Well, you know, the end result should matter, you know? Yeah. True. And he he's he once said that the Oscar was the worst thing that ever happened to him. Really? Because he yeah, he, he he wasn't very fond of the whole thing because he he got popular for something that didn't really support his art. So right. people would just come and see the alien. And the alien is, is like a friction of what he did. Oh, I bet he gets sick of talking about that alien. You oh, imagine? Yeah. And like, and every art show, like he would do group shows and people would come just to see him and ignore everybody else. Right. So he, he tried to be part of a group in, in Switzerland and the Oscar basically singled him out and made it difficult for him to be part of something. Wow. So, yeah, he, I think he would have really liked to be like the underground painter right. and just just live in peace and just paint and not have to care about all this celebrity stuff and right. everywhere he went the cameras went off and you know all this he didn't like that I heard much. that I heard that um this kind of goes back to what we were talking about in dark art in in Europe uh, um I heard that in uh, who's Mark Boringer, Boringer, the Mark Boringer. Yeah. He, um, he was saying that that because he lives in Switzerland, he was saying that that, that Switzerland as a whole is not into Giger work. Like they don't, he's not highly regarded there. Well, as as usual, now he is after his death. They named us uh, a, a place in Zurich after him, and I th- I think they're considering putting one of his sculptures there oh wow but but it had he but, had to die first but, yes but a bunch of during his lifetime he was he was not recognized as like and he was the first swiss to win an to win an oscar not even that part did right. it for him it's amazing so, well bummer. yeah i you know sometimes it just takes too long yeah. for an artist to be recognized by by the public and uh but yeah i think he enjoyed that in switzerland to be that he, at least and in, in his home he was kind of anonymous oh yeah he, he could just go to the shop without being bothered right and uh it was like and he, i don't think he traveled much in the end yeah he, he was he, he, like i said he, he he liked to be at home create stuff yeah yeah, uh, more more the introvert, I guess. Yeah, like most 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 artists are. In yeah, a way. I think so. I think so. Well, yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, I'll 
post a, I have this uh, Instagram TV thing going where I post like it basically in the Instagram it's about my 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 work and then the Instagram TV is where I are where I go like post random stuff uh, like okay. museums like uh, I, I posted the um, the Monet Gardens at the Monet Museum oh, I'll, cool. I'll, I'll, I posted in Gruyere how to get to Giger's grave oh nice that's cool there's nobody not not a lot of people know that that he's actually buried next to his museum oh wow um yeah like like random stuff and i uh i went through his uh he had his own horror uh horror train yeah in his garden yeah i know uh, i went through that with the camera so that that people can see that oh excellent and uh yeah i'll just post random random videos there okay uh, yeah I'll, I'll do the the giger stuff uh throughout the week Okay, well, this isn't going to post until, you know, Wednesday to the general public, so... Oh, yeah, okay. A week so from when, today, when the, so... Yeah, when the podca- podcast's on, so the, the new ring design will already be online and the videos, so, yeah. Right. Cool. So it's, oh, wow, it's like a time machine. I talk about future events in the present. Yeah. <laughs> you always got to keep that in mind. Well, that was awesome. Thank you for coming on and... and uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Hanging out fun. for a bit. Yeah, you And one of my oldest yeah, let's, let's, art friends from way back when. Oh, that's so sad. I know. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think that's my cue. <laughs> well, cool. Um <clears throat> sorry. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for taking the time and um everyone can go to what's the easiest way to get there just just we're going to have links in the, in the description, but for people yeah, who yeah. don't want to push the link, what's the easiest way? It's, uh, uh, what did you say? Osua Alpha. at Acro Amata. Yeah. Um, but you said alpha and omega or something. Yeah. But if you Google that, that that'll take forever to get to my plate, to my space. Uh, um, you need like an easy to say, easy to remember word for your web address. Okay. And then click that, and then you can send everybody there, and then all your stuff will be on there. Since you had to get so okay. fancy with your name, I, th- I think I think about a solution for that. But <laughs> I, honestly, I, in in this day and age, I, I didn't think people do websites or type anything. It's all about clicks. You you go somewhere, right? You know, but, pe- but people like, who are listening to the po- people who listen to the podcast have something underneath the podcast and can just click something. Yeah, I know, I know. But so. like Josh said in the, like Josh G said in the Instagram episode we did, it's important to have a home base because. Well, I have a home page, but it, like I said, that complicated name. So uh, uh, yeah, but you need to like something simple like bonejewelry.com that will link to your real you know the your actual name just something to send okay. people because you know I'll, I'll, I'll think of something for the next time <laughs> all right <laughs> I, I get something well i actually i could i could uh, put a link on the on the dow art website that's true you've got a week <laughs> yeah okay so uh when 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 you when you will go in the present in the future when you when you hear that <laughs> you can go to Thou Art and there will be a link to uh, my other website. Thouart.com? So 
thou art thou art dot com. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. That was really fun talking to you. Uh, let me know next time you're in LA again. Um, whenever that may be. Uh, oh, sooner than later. Cool. And let me know about collaborating on a design. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Chad. Yeah. Have a nice. Thank you. I'm I'm still recording, so we should say goodbye to everybody. So th- yeah. Thank you, uh, Dark Art listeners of the podcast. Don't forget, you can join the Dark Art Society Patreon page for as little as a dollar a month, and it helps support this podcast because if we didn't have the support there financially i definitely wouldn't be doing this podcast so you are you all who are supporting it are keeping it afloat and making it happen so uh, it's uh, patreon.com slash dark art society uh, please spread the word please subscribe all that business and um yeah thank you all for listening thank you evan for being on the show how was that Thank, thanks for indulging my Anytime. Uh, accent. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. And until next time, goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody.